Is this happening? They are coming to deconstruct this system. Who? Those political controllers and occupiers. Isn't that the same? Construction and deconstruction. Yes, they thought we need to be reconstructed and with this reasoning took away our languages without shame. They rewrote our history and dismantled our traditions. They stole our artifacts and reappropriated them in their institutions. We need to reclaim them. How? So I've been going over some of the stuff we chatted about last time. And yeah, I do want to start talking about language, but there's this other thing that really um, interested me in, in your work as well, which I think links to language which is to do with like um, codes or ciphers or like um, cryptographs, mm. especially within like the most recent work you showed me mm. where it's kind of like the removal of the actual, like the actual characters within the work creates a kind of new um, system of language where you're just trying to read meaning from punctuation mm. i just find that the reason i did that because i just find that the punctuation in every language is kind of similar but in a different way of displaying on how we order the punctuation so it's kind of like within the existing language system it's um, more universal like you could probably guess this is a sentence and then I know you said that one of them the symbol I've never seen this before um but then you would you would see it as like a bracket or it's kind of actually since you said that I started seeing those symbols everywhere <laughs> um, especially the one that's like a sort of arch yeah like that um like on usernames Using it, um, yeah, so obviously wow. like stuff like forums and things, you're interacting with people from loads of other different countries. Right, right. And people were using those to um, draw like pictures in their usernames and stuff. Yeah. And then I was suddenly like, oh, so yeah. that's where that's from. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I just find it quite, it's quite universal. It's, for me, I'm more um, connect with languages rather than some people would say like music symbols or, or like... Uh, math because if <clears throat> if we don't speak the same language but we have the same equation you know we can communicate through that but for me it's i don't connect with those things and i don't really fit in those stereotypical asian box because i really suck at math <laughs> i can't do simple calculation i need my calculator i can't do math at all what i when i was sort of thinking about um i mean so can I say that it's that the removed characters from mm. that work are Chinese, mm. or is that giving the secret away? Mm. I guess it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, but in it, I think it's fine because we're having a conversation about the work, so we have to talk about it. <laughs> At some point, it's going to come up. Yeah, and people will realize that eventually. And the more I talk about the work, like the more it's go public 
going mm. to public uh, when I, you know, maybe put on my website or I'm going to go on an exhibition, then it will eventually. And in the title, like the medium, I always make sure I put the medium because that's really important for me. That people would probably start to associate with it. And then once they saw my name, they would kind of like, ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it must be about that kind mm-hmm. of just giving a little bit of hints because what I like after I know we talked about um, when we were looking at the work we talked about globalization and mm. things like that and all of these kind of uh, those kind of concepts but what I'm thinking about it later one of the things I found sort of interesting was that the punctuate the fact that the punctuation is really universal mm. and because English as a language is like the letters don't represent the um, the meaning of the words. They represent the sound of the words, right? Mm. And within Chinese, the way I understood it when you were describing it to me mm. is that the um, it's more pictorial. Like yeah. the characters actually contain some of the meaning, not yeah. just the sound yeah. of the words. So. As, because in, in, in Chinese, I'm just going to talk about Cantonese because that's my mother language. Um, well, it, it, Chinese is like a more formal written languages. So if, if people from other, um, speak other dialect can also read Chinese, but then the way how we speak it pronounces is completely different. Like, uh, I wouldn't understand any um, Shanghainese at all. Like it is completely different, kind of like a for another foreign language to me. So uh, it's it the all of the characters in Chinese is actually came from an observation from people who were like a couple thousand years ago, and then it slowly transformed to how it is not uh, how it looked like look like now how it's trans transform. And it actually went through another transformation at the moment, like in the chi- China, in the mainland, not Hong Kong and some other places. We still use traditional Chinese, but uh, since Mao era, um, he completely kind of destroyed our own language. Now there's a simplified Chinese that what he was trying to do is to make Chinese character look less complicated so more people can learn about it, but actually that is completely destroying our own culture and the system because you can't just remove remove some of the strokes or, or, or parts of a word because this whole system was very complicated. That doesn't make sense anymore. Like for example, the, the character, um, just like love in, in character. Chinese, Chinese tra- traditional Chinese, there's a heart inside of a heart character inside this love character but the simplified the Chinese with it's with that heart it's like so <laughs> is that still love it's kind mm. of like that I, I once wrote about how he removed and destroy its own symbols like our own language because he wants Chinese to reach their further um, audience or people to learn more about it that's that's globalization in in a bad way (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that's what i was going to that that's basically what that made me think of too is like this issue of of standardization Mm. which i suppose was 
perhaps what he was going for. Yeah, well, he was saying that we should invent an alphabetic Chinese so that English speaker could also speak Chinese, which is uh, something that I think we develop so-called as pinyin. So it is in um, English letter. Well, I don't know. I don't, is it called English letter? Yeah. Yeah. English letter, but you have a different um, sound tone. So there's four in total, and then. You can spell it out, and then that I think that's how most um, English speaker nowadays learn Chinese. First, they learned like this sort of spelling, and then there's the Chinese character there, and then and so on. And I mean, it's it's easier for people to learn, but is it necessary? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's I di- I didn't know about that at all. It's quite. Quite interesting because, in some ways, it sort of probably throws off people trying to learn mm. learn actually actual Chinese, yeah. which is kind of a problem in a way. And yeah, most of the people who is um, non Chinese, like mostly foreigner or white people, when they uh, reach Chinese now, those people who can read mostly, if they learned in China. Mainland China, it's the simplified version Chinese character rather than a traditional type. One of my friends who did study Chinese, he's British, graduated from Cambridge. Um, I think he 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 can't because he's really good, so he can recognize some of this are the traditional version, but he wouldn't write in that sense because that's what he learned. So it, I think it's a little bit problematic. Mm. The simplified Chinese. So maybe maybe we can sort of start to tie this back to this um, this issue of I suppose standardization and globalization. Mm. But I mean, it's it's interesting that you that you talk about um, Mao kind of inflicting that standardization onto his own country because I suppose I was reading it more of like the problem with globalization being that it's done according to a western standard mm. and there's not really much discussion about that mm. about how, you know who who's authoring that that standardization that for some people may be removing parts mm. of their culture against their will mm. well thing is i only start studying about mao or knowing more about him until I moved to UK to do my under, undergrad and everyone asked me, so do you know about Mao? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> brief line, like in our history class in Hong Kong, it's a brief, a couple of brief sentence how he became, um, how he started up something in new China, opened up China, all of the great things he did, but then it's kind of hiding the fact that he's also well, I think he's a cult. <laughs> the way how how he convinced people to believe in him that I don't know, maybe it's a leader thing, uh, leadership that you have to be so I don't know what's that word in English, but not to extreme like Hitler, but similar that persuasive, controlling. Yeah, and that. I probably shouldn't bring another non-related person to the conversation, but uh, yeah, he he kind of um, established a, a book, a booklet about 
how to worship the great China, and he's the, the my mum has a copy of, of that. It's called like the the great radiance of something or other will lead us forward. I think. Yeah, it's it's got uh, a very long title. It's quite brain. The whole thing is brainwashing. He started from you know children, and everyone is worshiping him. So it's it's a cult. It's dictatorship and uh, cult, <laughs> and uh, I did not like it when the more research I'm doing about my culture but my and my country as well which is quite strange because no one in Hong Kong would ever dig into that like my mom or my friends no one really talks about um, our history we, when in, in art classes it's always kind of look to the contemporary art or, or the western like art history is always that well start from um, Egyptian kind of that era first and then it slowly evolved to renaissance blah 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 and then no one really actually looks into the development of, of how um, the Chinese history has affected a lot in the Hong Kong um, history or culture more likely it's just the political side but what about the culture 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 side that no one really kind of um or how do I say it? We, there are articles about this. People do talk about it, but it's not as much as how how it's affecting um, the political situation. Like people more concerned talk about powers and and control and and like you know like I feel like their culture gap it's breaking in each generation from from inside within a country. I suppose you could liken it to a sort of psychological um, kind of hangover from from <laughs> that from that era yeah. that influences maybe how you perceive your current era in especially if you're sort of taught in school to think about it in a particular mm. way and it's kind of not openly if <laughs> Penny just jumps onto <laughs> Catherine's lap. Penny is a cat. Um, if you just stay still, then she'll sit down. I totally lost what I was saying. I suppose. I yeah. I guess. I guess. I. I thought. I thought maybe. You were saying that it. It was this kind of psychological. I don't want to say trauma. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Mm. But you know those kind of very extreme political situations and very extreme leaders mm. have have a kind of effect where and how they're sort of perceived in the present affects how you think about your sort of sense of um, nationality I suppose. The identity. There was a Hong Kong artist, well most of the Hong Kong artists is famous nowadays still, they're all straight men. Cis, is that how you say it? C-I-S Cis straight men and which is a con continue conversation me and me and my friend who is also a collaborator that uh, I was well me and Sami make it work at our CCA show that she created the sweatshirt called Fed by White Men oh I forgot to say her name her name is Lem Hoisin uh, this is an ongoing conversation that we always have she's still based in Hong Kong and she kind of slowly wanted to withdraw from the art scene because when her work it's 
extremely um, amazing and political and bring out awareness to everyone but no one cares in the Hong Kong art scene and that's why I'm here too because the work that I do no one who cares in Hong Kong okay and then this male artist um, he's very nice and then he does a lot of painting that is he captured a lot of um, quite I would say quite um, classical or, or very on spot or, or popular Hong Kong movie. So there's one painting that I still have a very strong impression of. It's his painting was um, a scene of this movie called um, Inf- Infern In Oh Infernal Affairs. Yes, yes. And it was the scene of Tony Learn. I don't know if you watched that. Yeah, you I've watched. seen that movie. And it's that he's just say, "I want my identity back," and then it's a background with. It's pretty obvious that background. It's like the harbor of Hong Kong, like it's a symbolic view of how people view Hong Kong. And I'm just like, wow. Like when I first saw it, I didn't. A lot of the time, I didn't really understand his work when I was younger. And now I look back and I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> it says more than just cop- capturing a movie um, scene. Um, and then I think a lot of people in Hong Kong, including myself, had the, always have this sort of identity crisis because we try, work so hard and try so hard to assimilate with the colonization from the British culture. Obviously, there's lots of racism going on when they first um, colonize us. Uh, did I mention to you last time, like, um, in the five-star hotels, anything that is posh and... Um, high class or what are you, upper class mm-hmm. um, long time ago it says that Chinese and dogs are not allowed so they are comparing us with dogs and then so some some of the we still have businessmen like but still it's it, not only the sort of class that we're putting on a lower level than British white people but um, even though this person is Chinese, they're businessmen, but still, there's still sort of a massive um, hierarchy long time ago in Hong Kong. And that's why we have um, we have this sort of fusion food in Hong Kong. It's um, the place that we you go to a restaurant is called um, Cha Tan Tang. That, that's totally Cantonese. I can't say it in more English way <laughs> and I don't really want to um, so you go in there you will have a lasagna but it's made out of uh, minced pork because pork is the very main uh, main meat source in the Chinese cuisine so it's quite weird it's not like beef lasagna and then you would see black bean sauce fried spaghetti <laughs> That sounds kind of nice. Yeah, it is. It's, it's delicious, but it's... I can see that. This is kind of mixed. And we always have a drink on the side. is tea, coffee, or lemon tea. And then if you don't tell them that without milk, they will just admit to just add it for everyone. Like a British cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, then, and then there's lots of... Th- th- those white color that, who are Chinese, who has a little bit of money, and be like... I don't want to take this insult. I'm going to open up a different type of 
um, place for my people to go for high tea, where they don't have, they don't just only eat this posh sandwich and have a cup of tea. They can have cheaper version of of the thing that those British colonizers are enjoying in Hong Kong. So the this is what we tried to we did it in Hong Kong long time ago. That was my dissertation. <laughs> I was writing about food. <laughs> but I think that's that's a really sort of appropriate way to in, engage with the the problems of of somewhere like Hong Kong, where you you aren't you don't belong to mainland China anymore, and you don't belong to Britain because of the that forced occupation. Mm. And you're, you end up trapped in between in an identity that's sort of not quite, not quite formed or not quite... It's, it's never gonna be a result. Um, I think, I, I would say result, like, because we, we are Chinese and we do, like, the majority of people there, they, we all speak Chinese. We have, we really embrace our own festival and, and culture and things like that. But at the same time, we're kind of forced to learn English. Um, English, uh, I think, or in the early, early time, I, I'm so bad with numbers. So see, as I said, <laughs> me with numbers and math doesn't get along. Long, many, many years ago, that in the government official language, English was the official, only English was official language for any government department. That's why my mom works for the British government when there was still um, rule in Hong Kong. Um, she, how do I say it? Her work stuff, I hear sometimes when she discuss it with my father after work and then they always bring out all of this English term and then when I was a kid at home I always already picked up a long, lots of English words from my parents and even nowadays we still write to each other in text messages in English, we write emails to each other in English but when we talk on phone obviously it's going to be Chinese but not only me with my family and with me and a lot of my my generation, my friends, we all type in English as well. And then I thought this was normal because everyone does that in Hong Kong. Uh, not until um, I moved to here and people were so surprised the fact that huh, you type English with your family. So yeah, it was colonized, come on. Don't ask me a question like this. Kind of, kind of for me, it's a bit, why are you shocked? <laughs> a bit like that. Would, would you say that that despite the the British no longer actively controlling that area that there's kind of this internalization of that colonial process yeah um if also this is a embedded mindset that if your English is good um you get the sort of you're slightly superior than your peers if you speak good language good good English and and um, not only in written, but the way how, how you use the language, how you speak it. And a lot of my friends are really shy and they won't, they don't, they, they wouldn't be as me to speak it. Okay, that sounds a bit wrong. As in they, they would feel self-conscious speaking it because they'd be worried they wouldn't they They were worried, right. yeah, they're worried um, they would say it wrong or grammatically wrong. And I just don't think about it. Oh, that sounds bad. I'm not trying to like 
<laughs> no, that makes sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That made perfect sense. I just say whatever I want, and then if I forgot that word, I was like, oh, I forgot that word. And then I try to explain the situation. I mean, otherwise, I'll, how can I communicate with other people? In Chinese, I do the same as well. So it's not just... Yeah, I, I, I feel bad to how to, to compare it. It's, it's not a good way to... Yeah. Yeah, and then... And... and which is really interesting is that um, people who used to work for the government uh, for the government long time ago, um, you can send your kids to UK to study and with a cheaper tuition fee. <laughs> and you also, it depends. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to disclose, disclose this. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll skip it. And, yeah. um, but I suppose that's like... Yeah, it's a kind of legacy of cultural conditioning, which yeah. I think is something that I see in your work is a kind of pushback or, yeah, uh, yeah, pushback against that kind of internal confusion that's caused by inhabiting an identity that's sort of been fabricated for you or <clears throat> pushed onto you. Well, I suppose so, because in... It is 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 the typical and almost you you can see it in movies all the time. You hear I hear it a lot of time. I think a lot of people hear all the time as well. Like as an immigration, also Asian, and then if you I wasn't born and raised here, people would always come to me. Why your English is so well? Like the same thing and. Because it was colonized, <laughs> I just like throw it back like like that, and like, oh yeah, right. And then because we have to learn English since we're kindergarten, so most of the people in Hong Kong grew up in a bilingual or almost, and then eventually tr- trilingual because we have to learn Mandarin to speak Mandarin as well. Even though like it's not so popular still in Hong Kong, but this is one of the main goal the Chinese government is trying to erase from Hong Kong as well, the our culture as well. It's like our own country is trying to do that to ourselves as well. It's super like damaging to to everyone. Not not just the culture, not the history. It's just, just it's just horrible. But you've been obviously going off and researching a lot of this stuff yourself. Yeah. Which I suppose when you sort of talk about these um was this a kind of program you were talking about for getting um hong kong people to learn like a specific kind of chinese as well with mandarin and stuff this is another basically we were in in the hong kong education system it's uh based on the british education system Mm -hmm. so Plus, we have to learn English on the side since everyone is kindergarten. So we learn Chinese and English in kindergarten class as well, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually it's kind of developed into... When you go to high school, you, you have English-speaking school and Chinese-speaking school. So obviously, you go to English-speaking schools means that you're smarter, you get more opportunity blah 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 you go to you you were go you you would go to university with a higher chance something like that but yeah I, language has kind of come back again in, in your work and it's very and it's very linked linked yeah. to place again 
as well, even though you, in this recent work that you showed me, you removed all the language from it. Mm, mm. It's just the more, the more I work on to understand how languages function, the more this, this was when I, this kind of, I think it was inspired when I was working with Sammy, um, with, on RCC show, um, we were making a piece of work that um, uh, it was like a banner and then we wanted to put something look English but no one understand what it is unless you speak that language which when I that's when I tried to play with Chinglish again and he inputted something else that um, within the Arab um, community would also understand I do have someone come back to me that who is from Iran she was like like I know what you're trying to say, but that doesn't actually make sense. I was like, that's the that's the point of it, and then and then oh, I don't think I've ever told Sammy I need to tell him about it. that was I just remember now. Um, so it was very successful. I would see that work for very successful. Um, and then I start to think because of making that work, everything is written in. The English format, mm-hmm. and also I and I when I understand that um, Arab, it's also written from left to right. No, sorry, right, right to right to left. <laughs> I'm so dyslexic. The opposite way to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, and then I start to think about, yeah, the way how I read Chinese in all of the textbooks, it's always from. Uh, top to bottom and also from right to left it, this has been ongoing it, we still have books like that but in in a lot of way like a lot of documents nowadays even though even though like when I when I'm at work there's some contracts from China it's all everything is changed and I just kind of feel like why what so you end up reading Chinese characters, but they're written left to right, you mean in these formal documents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, well, because, uh, not sure if I mentioned to you before, um, each Chinese character is formed within a square. So you can see it like this, but you can put it like this to read it as well, because it's... Mm. Because each character is sort of self-contained within an imaginary sort of frame. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um... The reason I, I said I know why it's within the square because when we had to learn how to use the right not use yeah use the shit what is it called like brushes yeah <laughs> yeah brushes. I'm, it's kind of a shame we're not filming this because you're gesturing everything yeah. <laughs> oh uh, the brushes because in my head every time when I forgot that word in English because my, it pops up in my head is. Chinese mm-hmm. and I can't translate it directly so I'm because like, oh. it's not a sound it's a picture in your head you mean uh, well sometimes it's pictures sometimes it's the actual character the Chinese character so we had to learn the ch- traditional calligraphy and then you give in a box it's nine a square box and then it's nine small boxes as well so you you must live it's a very dis- disciplined languages so you you must lift space within the square. It can't touch the sort of line. 
I think Chinese languages or maybe the maybe our culture is like that. It's just so so much on graphic design the term like only oh, space and it did this format and graphic design is also kind of like that like you have to have to balance visually and then my friend once told me there's always some sort of a cross when when you design a poster and things like that so um why did i talk about this we well, were talking about <laughs> these um <clears throat> these how the kind of how Firstly, how Arabic has this parallel in being um, read in a different direction to yeah. English, and then how you've sort of seen more and more that with kind of official paperwork and stuff you mm. get, it's now taking on the English direction yeah. for things to be written. And I suppose this kind of comes back to that thing about globalization that we talked yeah. about before, yeah. which again, like your most recent work approaches as well where there's yeah I suppose because of the way China is trying to move into the world it's also losing having to sort of remove some of its identity and and I think a lot of it's it's a very big gesture of assimilation I would say that that's a lot to change your own language system I don't think it's just China but it's a lot of other places or country or languages are like that and it's it's quite harmful I think to when I was younger I think globalization was such a great thing I mean obviously it happened long time ago when uh oh again I don't know the English word but one of the person who works for the king in China a long time ago that would bring tea leaves to exchange spies in India that's the beginning of when people travel, that's the beginning of globalization. It's good for culture exchange, but then when it slowly became erasing um, itself, or, or it, yeah, all of this. And then is it a is it a good good way? And is there anything that could prevent this? But because we wanted to find a common ground, does that mean that we have to we have to like break an arm to get into a, a box that doesn't fit us in is that still mm. an exchange is that still cultural appreciation appro- appreciation yeah is that is that still the same i would totally question that and that's why i'm making the new work to remind people what we're what are we doing here that we're removing yeah, things what, that we what are we giving up yeah exactly and I, yeah i think i mean i think that work really draws attention to to the fact that yeah I think you know I think obviously there's this potential for something like globalization to be good as an exchange of like cultures and ideas but Mm. yeah I think what your work draws attention to is the current reality which is that it isn't an exchange Mm, it's not it's 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 kind of a an an imposing of one set of cultural values over the top of another. Yeah, yeah. There's always this dominated country, culture and languages. It's it's quite obvious, I think. Um, it kind of I can't help to think why this has happened before, why um China itself as a country became kind of weakened. It was I just can't help to think about that sort of tea leaves um, event that long time ago that Britain was trading 
sulfur to China for tea leaves and then because China is a country that's full of all of these resources and and then the 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 king only wants actual money like something that he values and then Britain the British back then kind of sold opium to China and then to just basically drug people <laughs> and I'm like now you have to give me a land it's a bit like devious <laughs> yeah I think that's a fair word <laughs> well it's kind of like it's more than British devious. British Museum British Museum it's kind of like that it's like hey I go get into wall I take all of your artifacts I'm exhibiting in my museum <laughs> like people long time ago like that's the well when I was younger that was the most amazing place to go when you travel to visit other people's museum and to see other people's culture but I go into British museum I'm learning about mummies <laughs> Egyptian culture and you know it's like and your own culture as exactly well. it's like thanks for white splendid to be with all of the minority cultures like, great <laughs> yeah I mean I guess I, th- I think to a lot of less so now but I think at the time to a lot of those institutions that was exchange was just going in and taking a bunch of crap and being like hey, look at all this good stuff we got. Yeah. We can learn about this culture <laughs> in in a museum in central London. Oh, God, yeah. Like, no no one would ever actually think that it's a very problematic because it's such... The media the, the media is so brainwashed. Everyone is kind of brainwashed to, to kind of think that everything Western, Westernized or, or within the British culture is great, it's, it's white worship and it's still happening in all of this minority countries. It's it's like why there are so many plastic surgery going on in, in Korea, in Asia actually, East Asia. Um, just they wanted to not, they're kind of denying our own features and wanting to look like a white person wearing color contact lens and I mean coloring hair, it's, more minimal but like constantly wearing color contact lens is actually destroying your own eyes and mm. and doing plastic <laughs> surgery to input a different a foreign objects into your nose is generally considered a bad idea <laughs> i mean people i i totally agree people should do whatever they want but then to the point there's an extreme but it's where this the psychology comes from to yeah. maybe do that and yeah I, I think a lot of a lot of these things so yeah. Uh, the trickle down from cl- colonialism and then more recently globalization. Yeah. Which... Besides self damaging, um, sabotaging. Mm. That's so bad. This is constantly going through in within the POC communities is that self hate that you would lead to that direction and it's 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 so bad. Yeah. And it leads to further problems besides just we're sitting here talking about um, all of this culture and people and identity. It it leads to a further damage for for a human being because of all of this politics and Mm -hmm. stuff. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I don't know any vocab to further elaborate that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. and, And I suppose, yeah. I guess I was thinking of it, I mean, particularly that work made me think of it in the way of of how in 
in the West, particularly America and Britain, are willing to utilize the labor of mm. um, countries like China, not mm. only China, yeah. utilize the labor and the resources of those countries, but then at the same time, expect them to sort of whitewash themselves when they're being when they're participating in that global market mm-hmm. and and i think that has this kind of like you know that is going to have a psychological sort of trickle down right to yeah. an individual yeah and also there's also leads to another idea of the going to make me work i haven't made it yet the one that i mentioned to you about this absolute truth um i kind of was really inspired when i was reading a book and then i just saw this just this two word it's kind of some i don't know if you do that when i'm reading it kind of if that words really connects or speak something to me it kind of it's quite dramatic it's like kind of highlight itself for me and then i just can't stop thinking about this word and it leads to further thinking <laughs> no i get that i get it where you know how there is like there's sort of negative space between words yeah, on a page yeah, yeah, yeah. where if i see something that's really kind of catches me then all of that negative space sort of becomes like rivers flowing towards that one thing and then i yeah. can't stop looking kind at of it. this is just exaggerating from your vision it's why it takes me ages to read books <laughs> me too um yeah i i just wonder what is actual truth this is kind of an uh for me personally i would say it's an a development or is volume two of absolutely clear absolutely clear was also inspired um when i was reading about a book about feminism and uh art and theory i don't know if i say the correct order of this book name it's very long i know super thick one yeah yeah yeah. it's like an anthology yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always, I know what I'm talking about, but the order of things goes... <laughs> no, I was right, I think. <laughs> I'll double check. Um, yeah, that was at a time, uh, absolutely clear, was trying to say things that kind of criticizing the current existing language system. Can we be absolutely clear when we communicate? Because it looks like it c- can be, but actually it's not and language itself it's it's very not neutral at all um especially well i only speak three so as well yeah only yeah (laughs) not enough um like in comparison to chinese characters and english languages there is never a gender neutral word for people to use it's always and a lot of I know that a lot lots of other European languages is got like feminine word or masculine word and and it's so patriarchal everything is so patriarchal like in in Cantonese we do have one one word that we don't use use officially in the Chinese languages and it's very very neutral it doesn't even say it just say that person like there's no other implication within it or maybe next work i should kind of introduce this word to Mm. people that's a good idea (laughs) and then uh yeah and then i just kind of wanted i i was going to emphasize more on the chinese languages about marriages and and 
characters within marriage it's it's one it's because it's it's not just would you marry me like this that's different direction or different um position so if a guy was saying i am marrying this woman that character for the word marry it's taking the woman <laughs> it's so literal just like the take the woman like the, that's the combination of that character and wow. if i am marrying that man it's the woman and home so you have to have a woman to form a home like that that, that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm, a fam- yeah family not just home family family mm-hmm. um so this is the two words of that i recently come across to be like whoa <laughs> so freaking problematic and it's like what if because it's, it's not just obviously it's never just men and women in this world and those words has kind of you see you create this sort of problematics that how so how can language be absolutely cleared when i'm actually if, if i'm not like marrying a man and i you know, marrying someone with the same gender, this kind of work doesn't ap- apply to those situations. Obviously, we would, would no one is really going to change this because it's it's an existing work from word from thousand years ago. But how how can I explain it clearly when I'm maybe I'm talking to my parents about it? This is I'm going to marry a woman instead of a man mm. or, or or this person is maybe it's non-binary or you know other possibility not just a man um so that's why i want i really wanted to kind of again make awareness and a lot of my work is not only just like making awareness sometimes it's a little protest that i wanted to do but quite gently because i realized that when i'm like constantly so angry about the world no one's gonna listen to me so i use many other different approach to try to say what i think so and then absolutely clear that was that was done and then that was the idea of it and then the next one is absolute truth is more likely i i wanted to question about social media um the media that we get broad, like broadcast and news and and what we perceive all of the information what did we have learned since we were a kid books um religion books things from religious um i'm not just i'm not targeting all of the religion kind of one specifically dominating one that i hugely have a problem with <laughs> that might offend a lot of people but um I'm just asking a question. Uh, not that I, I gains any religion. It's just I wonder why do you think this is truth? Why are we following following this book? Who even wrote this book? Where does this all of this information of this person who wrote this book come from? And is this person's information um, accurate? And what is accurate anyway? Like mm-hmm. where do we find? How do we define what we believe? are actually truth it's like science as well i guess yeah i guess what's interesting or what the parallel with that between between that and your interest in in language is this is this thing to do with how can or perhaps you're trying to feel out or start to define a, a space in which 
which is like entirely neutral and or in which you can at least sort of articulate yourself in a in a way that won't be sort of misused either in terms of like factual accuracy which is a very subjective thing and can be cast in a lot of different lights or to do with understanding the kind of um structural or historical um what was I going to say? Uh, prejudices of mm. of the language that you're then using to describe those things. Mm. Was that a question? <laughs> no, it was. It was more. It was more an observation. Um, mm. But I, I suppose I would be interested to know if it was actually a fair observation. But I, I suppose I feel like that's something that's really important in your work as a whole mm. to sort of to create a kind of or explore these things so that you can build a space that allows you to articulate yourself in a way that's entirely your own. Yeah, and again, that there's so many vocabularies cannot use to describe because that would be me slapping my own mouth <laughs> because I just make it work saying absolutely like to take a piss out of the language how can you be precise and there's never a way to be absolutely clear or precise about anything and then if I'm trying to find that that would be do you know what I mean it's a kind of internal conflict but at the same time I am <laughs> does that does that make sense because I I know that what I'm trying to do um within the practice that I'm constantly working on that I wanted to build something that to break the current system but I'm very honest that I don't actually have a better suggestion <laughs> but I know this is there's a problem here and I need people to pay attention to those things um, I wouldn't even dare to think of suggesting any solution to this because I don't think there is actually actual an actual one it's, it's like each system would have problems on its own anyway. So how can how can we all work together as like a, a whole to improve? Like there's something I don't think just an artist can work on. <laughs> it's more, it's bigger and more than... <laughs> no, but I suppose for the time, time being, at least understanding the limitations of... of the current infrastructures you inhabit is at least a start. Yeah, that's true. 